Hello, everybody. Welcome. I've got six stories from you. They're from the world of business. And what I'm doing here on my channel is business news explained in a non-business way. Basically, how do we make this news relevant to us on a personal level? I'm going to leave that fast talking, jive talking, leave it to CNBC, leave it to Bloomberg. With me, we're going to go through these stories in a slow, deliberate way and basically try to understand how does it make sense for us. So why waste any more time? Let's get going. All right, so the first news we're gonna look at is the UK Brexit. They still can't figure it out. They're having trouble with the European Union on coming up with agreements on how to basically divvy up the money because it's always about the money. So we're gonna leave all the political news aside and I thought let's quickly look at the amount of dollars or in this case, the amount of pounds that are at stake. All right, these numbers are incredible. So 172 billion pounds that's what the UK exports to the EU. 256 billion pounds is of goods that it imports into the country. Basically, it's buying stuff from the EU. 172 billion pounds translates to roughly $230 billion. And then the import number is 342 billion-ish dollars. So these numbers are huge. And what we're seeing here is that when you see this 229 number and when you see the 342 billion number, the UK is bringing in more goods versus the amount of goods that it's selling. So this is the problem and this is where they're having tensions because the UK essentially is trying to say that, hey, we want a good deal, but ultimately the UK is buying more stuff from the EU than sending to the EU. So who's in a better position? And this is what all this jockeying is all about. And it's all about these incredibly high dollar, or in this case, pound values. So here's some information. It's from the UK House of Commons. So basically they're trying to figure out and you know list the amount of monies that are coming in and out of the country. And check this out. So with Ireland, the UK has the largest trade surplus. What that means is that it's sending more money into Ireland more goods into Ireland than what's coming back into the UK from Ireland. And then Luxembourg, Malta, on and on. But here's the key point. Remember I showed you that the UK is actually importing a lot more than what is exporting and it buys a lot of stuff from Germany, then Spain, then the Belgium and Netherlands, Poland and on and on. So the UK economy, much like the American economy, does not export that much. It imports a lot. I'll have a link to this report down below. And then when you scroll through it, you're basically looking at all the pound values, the money amount of money that's running back and forth between these countries. And once again, we always come down to the crux. The crux is always money. And this is what the struggle is. And basically, this is what this business news is all about. So I think we're done with this. Let's move on to the next story. The next story I want to look at is metals. The prices of metals are going up. What does that have to do with our day-to-day -day living? Prices of metals are going up. We're talking about palladium. We're talking about copper. We're talking about iron. We're talking about gold. We're talking about silver. So all of these things have their own inherent values, but as a whole, these metals also tell us something very interesting. They tell us about the state of the economy because a lot of these metals, copper, iron, palladium, they're used in large industrial settings. So if the prices of these guys are going up, a couple things are happening. So this article here is from today's Wall Street Journal, and basically the title says it all. Soaring metals prices signal bets on global economic recovery. And 
that's the ultimate point is that when these large corporations start thinking that things are getting well, they're going to start manufacturing things all over again. So those huge factories that are sitting idle, guess what? They're about to open up and they need these metals in there as raw goods. I want to draw your attention to this graph here and check it out. We've got iron ore, copper, and aluminum. Those are the three things on this graph, okay? Iron ore is this little gray thing, copper is green, and then the less gray thing is aluminum. Check it. This is when the beginning of this pandemic happened. Boom, everything collapses. Copper was down almost 22% around March 26th because of the Corona fear. And then we see things start moving back upwards. And here we are, iron ore is up almost 48%, copper is up 24%, 25%, and then aluminum up 13.54%. This chart in its aggregate is showing you how the economy is expanding because here everyone's freaking out. The world's coming to an end. And then once we realize that, you know what, the world's not coming to an end, the chart starts moving up because the prices have become so low that people and speculators start buying up. And then, of course, as economic data starts coming out that's showing that the global economies are opening up, the prices of these raw metals start going up. And that's the key point. Now, eventually they get so expensive that they actually start slowing down the economy because these large factories, these large corporations, they have to pay for these as a raw. And then if the prices become too high, guess what happens? the corporations have lower profit margins and in fact they can get to a point where it may be cost prohibitive to actually do the proper mining as well as the proper manufacturing at this moment in time rising prices is actually a sign of a perhaps improving economy in the next five six maybe even 12 months so what you want to do is as you go about your daily day once in a while pop into the internet and check out metals prices see how are these prices moving? Are they going up? Are they going down? And then look around and see, is the economy as a whole moving or shrinking? This price alone does not tell you if the economy is going up or down, but it's one of those variables you've got to start paying attention to. So that's the end of the story. Mayweather's in here and he wants that money. So we all know about this news. Floyd Mayweather is now going to fight Logan Paul. I thought, let's look at the amount of money this cat's made and why this is such an exciting thing. So the first piece of news, they're going to have a tiered pay-per-view setting where the first million purchase are going to pay 25 bucks and then it goes up to 40 bucks. And then by February the 11th, it's going to go up to $70. So basically, I think what they're expecting is about $200 million in aggregate. And then they're going to split up the purse. $800 million. That's the number that Mayweather's kind of made over his career. So it's fascinating that he still wants to jump in and make maybe another 20 30 million or i don't know maybe a couple hundred million who knows we'll see what this fight brings but the idea that the guy who has 800 million dollars made already in a career still wants to go out and fight a youtube guy it blows my mind but then again this is what marketing is all about this is what advertising dollars are all about and this story takes us very nicely into the next story where we're going to talk about iac interactive IAC Interactive, try saying that 10 times real fast, IAC Interactive. These guys own, look at this, Angie's List, Ask, Brides.com, Care.com, Handy, Dot Dash, Investopedia, Liquor, Life, MyBuilder.com, and on and on. They basically own Vimeo, a huge chunk of what we call our day-to-day -day internet. Now, these guys, 
just got in trouble with Google because Google said those little add-on Chrome additions that you've been making, we don't like them. We don't like the way you've set your privacy settings. IAC, they have a stock, it trades on NASDAQ, symbol IAC. And at this moment in time when I'm recording this video, they're down about 1.2%. The interesting news here is that the overall aggregate amount that is made by IAC being on the internet and then the amount of money that Google is making from ads. So why don't we just look at that particular number? So here is a cool looking chart. We'll call it a semi hockey stick chart and look at the advertising revenue of Google from 2001 all the way to 2019. And of course we see almost a exponential growth here. Check this out. 116 billion in 2018, 134 in 2019, and then of course a little bit more in 2020. 2007, they were making 16.4 billion. 2003, they were making 1.4 billion. So almost a 15 times increase within those particular years. So when a company like this, which essentially owns and controls the entire online advertising marketplace, if they're not happy with you, bad things can happen to you as a company. Now, here's IAC's story. This is also from Statista.com. Here we see that compared to Google, they are minuscule. All right, annual revenue, 2004, 2019 in millions of dollars. So over here we see 4757. So that means they're making about 4.7, 4.8 billion dollars a year. Google is doing 134 billion a year. So who is the stud in the room? Of course, it's Google. And I see they've kind of made a mistake by messing around with those little Chrome add-ons. And I think they're going to fix it because if they don't fix it, Google may say, you aren't going to be part of our AdSense network anymore. And by Google kicking them out of that particular network, ISC's, I think, overall revenue structure is going to go down quite a bit. So this I thought was something interesting to look at, how one company, which itself is making money in the billions, is so beholden to another company, which is making money in the hundreds of billions. On to the next story. All right, welcome to the Trillion Dollar Club. What the hell is that? A trillion dollar club is essentially these large corporations whose market capitalization is now over $1 trillion. There are not that many companies left in the world. And the newest company about to join this esteemed club, so to speak, is going to be Facebook. So let's look at some data. So this graph here shows us the top 10 companies in market capitalization. Saudi Aramco. This is that huge, essentially oil company owned by the government of Saudi Arabia itself. Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Alibaba, Berkshire, Tencent, and JP Morgan. Now, this chart was printed in January of 2020. And since that time, we've had some dramatic moves. And the most interesting move coming up next is that Facebook is about to enter the $1 trillion club. And frankly, what does this news have any impact on us on a day-to-day -day living level. I mean, why do we care that Apple is worth a trillion dollars or Facebook is about to be worth a trillion dollars? Well, the answer lies in a very interesting fact that these large companies are part of almost all the major indices that America tracks. The S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, NASDAQ. And what ends up happening is that if you own any passive type of index fund investment, all right, we're looking at SPY, we're looking at VOO. You have money actually invested in these large companies. So the fact that these companies are getting larger and larger 
brings to you a question. I mean, it's a very logical question. Hey, the fact that these companies have become so large doesn't mean that the stock market is overpriced. Does that mean that things are about to come crashing down? I don't have an answer for that, but that's the type of question you need to start asking is that when corporations suddenly are becoming valued in the trillions, that means that their stock prices are going up. Market capitalization is actually tied to stock price. So you take your current share price, you multiply it by the total number of shares outstanding, that gives you your market capitalization. So then it makes sense is that as the stock price is going up, the market capitalization goes up. And then as stock price collapses, market capitalization collapses. And then this has a direct impact on your particular portfolio if you are invested, even if it is a passive investment. All right, champs, that's it for today. Please do the like, subscribe thing, all the good things YouTube wants us to do. The economy is a ever evolving piece of thing. And we're going to keep looking at it. We're going to keep learning from it. And by looking at this news in a non-stress environment, I think we're going to come out stronger. So I'll see you in the next video. Pip, pip.